0: Hey, welcome to the Project Church Podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. Happy Easter. If you're new here, I want to welcome you. My name is Caleb and I'm one of the pastors, and I'll get to share from God's Word today. If you have your Bibles, go to John chapter 12, the Gospel according to John. I'm gonna be reading from verse 23 through 27. It'll also be on the giant Bible right behind me. Anybody got a real Bible? Show me like, you got a hard Bible, like leather, paper, hold it up. Paper, yeah, I see them. You see these people, they really love Jesus. You bring your Bible on Easter, you really love Jesus. I'm playing with you. How um, I many you read them on your phones anyways? Yeah, you're like, that's me, I got my phone. Here we go, John chapter 12, I'm starting in verse 23. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. I have come to this hour. I want you to look at your neighbor. I want you to tell him. Look at your neighbor. Tell him, it's time. Tell him, it's time. Now look at your second choice, the other neighbor, and tell him the same thing. Say, it's time. Even though you were my second choice, it's time. And Chase, can you kill this for me? The hour has come. That's the title of my message today. The hour has come. Jesus said it here at the beginning that the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And uh, I was thinking about this idea of like hours, hour has come, time. And it brought me in my mind to... uh, People who are on time. Where are my on time people? You arrive on time early, maybe even, but always on time. Where are my unabashedly, unashamed, late people? Come on, raise your hand. Wow, more of you. That's why you go to the 1130 service. The majority of this room is like, that's me. I'm always late. Well, I actually married a late person. There she is, walking in, late. No, she... (laughs) She's been here, guys, since 6 a.m. We had a 7 a.m. service. That was the really spiritual people. Um, You guys are kind of spiritual. No, I'm joking. But uh, she was here on time this morning. But my wife, you know, she has a tendency to be late. She'll admit it, admittedly, right, Chrissy? But it's something she's been working on. For 14 years, she just said, I'm getting better. Yes, you are. 14 years of marriage, and she has gotten a lot better. And she's always used the excuse that she's Filipino. And she's been like, I'm Filipino, that's why I'm late. But the funny thing is, I know her parents, and they're never late. Her dad joined the American Navy. He grew up in the Philippines, joined the American Navy. That's how they ended up in America. And so he's military. I mean, this man is never late. Her mom is never late. They are always on time, but that's her cop out. Uh, I'm Filipino. Um, So it's funny, though, because I started doing something in our marriage, uh, and I just gotta confess to you, all right? These are my confessions, so here we go. Um, I lie to Chrissy. I just straight up lie to her now. If we ever have to leave anywhere, let's say we gotta leave at 5 p.m., I tell her 4.45. I say, yeah, we gotta leave at 4.45. But now, over time, she's on to me, and so now, she'll be getting ready, and she'll come to me and be like, hey, but what time do we really have to leave? And so now it's kind of backfired because she knows and she's on to me. But here's what I've seen with my wife um, is that there's times when there's the lack of urgency. You know what I mean? Like she's just chilling, still in sweats, and we need to leave in like 15 minutes. And she's like, I can get ready really quick. I'm not taking a shower. Uh, and... And I'm like, okay, and and then she'll wait, you know, five minutes before we gotta leave. Now she starts getting ready, and how many, you know, it always takes longer um, than we think it's gonna take. There's a lack of urgency. And I think today, this topic of the hour coming, the hour has come, it really got me thinking that I think there's a lack of urgency in the church. And I'm not talking about being on time for church. Although that's a good thing. I'm talking about a lack of urgency for the time that God has given us. Like that we would really maximize the time that God has given us to be the church that he's called us to be. I think there's a lack of urgency within the church that we don't recognize or realize just how much God needs us to step up and step out and be a light in the darkness. And so today, I know it's Easter, and you just want to be encouraged, but is it all right if I challenge you a little bit? Is it all right if I come for you a little bit in love? You said yes. Okay, let's do it. Jesus, I think, has been waiting for us. He's been patiently waiting for us. Many of you, he's been waiting for you to actually surrender your heart to him. And here's the thing about God is that It's not his condemnation or his anger or or his his, uh, fire that leads you to repentance. The Bible says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And so the fact that some of you have been running from God, trying it your way, and yet you're still here and kicking, and you're in church today, shows the kindness of God. That he has loved you so much that he's led you to this point today on Easter Sunday, April 9th. Is it April 9th? Am I right? April 9th, the 1130 service. Because he wanted you to know that he cares about you. That he loves you. That he hasn't given up on you. And he still has a plan for you. So this message today about the hour has come is really about something within that. It's that the hour has come to choose. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about choices. Decisions. I want to talk to you about what you are choosing in your life every single day. You see, the hour has come to choose. And so I have a few thoughts for you. First, the hour has come to choose what you'll do with your time what you'll do with the time that you've been given. Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Jesus is talking to some Greeks who wanted to step into faith and, and follow him, but he is now in the final days, hours of his life, and speaking to the disciples and these others that they had brought to him, he says, the hour come. It is time. He had been telling the disciples these last few days, I must die. And Peter didn't want to hear it tried to quiet him, tried to say, no, it's not that urgent, Jesus. You're not going to die. Far be it from you, Lord. And Jesus has to silence him and say, get thee behind me, Satan. You do not know the things of God. You're thinking in the natural. You don't sense the urgency that I sense. See, the disciples, they were loving life. They were learning from the uh, the master, from the Messiah. They saw miracles happening, all these great things. But they didn't sense the urgency that Jesus had. They didn't see it. They didn't get it. And I think that there's a lack of urgency in the church that we are not urgent about the life that God has given us. And that we are not recognizing that our time here is short. The Bible says your life is a mist. And so we're going through life without a care in the world. Free and fancy. I came fancy in the white today, church. Free and fancy. Fancy free. That's the saying, right? Right. And we're missing out on the fact that God has given us a mission. He's saying, I didn't just put you here to have a good time. Although it's okay, we have fun along the way. We have fun in church. I have fun with my family. See, I didn't just put you here to have a fun time. I put you here for this time. A time such as this. And we have to determine and choose what we're going to do with the little time we've been given. Yes. You see, our days are numbered. They're already numbered. Jesus, God brought you into this life. He gave you breath. And he already knows when that life will end. And so you, you actually maybe hear this. Uh, I hear it all the time. Like They'll say, oh, her untimely death. Or his untimely death. And I get the feeling and the sentiment. Because if you've ever lost someone close to you. You know it feels untimely. It feels unfair. It hurts. It's painful. But with God nothing is untimely. So whether you understand it or not, or it makes sense to you or not, God is always working behind the scenes. And he's already numbered every person's days on this earth. And he will use all of it. So you may not see the purpose behind some of the pain you've experienced or the death that's been around you. But can I tell you, God is always working. Nothing's untimely. Nothing is wasted with God. But we got to choose what what are we going to do with our time? See, I brought a rope here with me to illustrate this idea of the time you've been given. This is a hundred feet of rope. And so I want you to imagine that this is eternity. How many know eternity is long? As in, it never ends. I want you to imagine this rope. I mean, it's pretty long. I want you to imagine this rope is stretching from here through old sack. It's going up to Natomas past the airport, it's hitting Redding, it's going further north to Portland, they are weird, Portland is weird and, uh, and then it's further up into Seattle where it's gloomy and rainy all the time and then it goes even further north into Vancouver you could keep going into Alaska man I know geography church but I want you to imagine this rope that symbolizes time and it's eternity it goes on and on and on And I want you to see within that, this is your life. That's it. In the span of eternity, as the Bible says, your life is a miss. This is your life. Just this little red mark. But most of us in this life are living as if this is all that matters. So, we're trying to uh, accumulate as much money as possible, as much things as we can, as much stuff. We care more about what people think about us and say about us. We're trying to get all the stuff of this earth. We're saying, I'm just, I, I just do whatever makes me feel happy in the moment. Just do whatever feels good. I'm doing things my way. And we're living life with only this in mind. But you know that eternity goes on and on and on. And too many of us are living with a temporary perspective. Missing out. And not living the life that God called us to live with eternity in mind. You see, I got to live this with this in mind because I believe that hell is real and I believe heaven is real and I believe that everyone has been sent here on a mission and Project Church, we have a mission to populate heaven and rob hell. And so I want to live this time without thinking about all this because eternity is long. So I want to ask you, I want to tell you to choose what you're going to do with the little time you've been given. Some of you are like, Caleb, this is depressing. No. It should be encouraging that this life on earth is just this. But if I do this and follow God in this, I got all this to enjoy the joy and the pleasure and the overflow of all God has for my life. This is not meant to discourage you. This should encourage you. But I got to choose what I'm going to do with the time I've been given. The hour has come to choose. I like this 1130 service. You guys are with me today. The 10 wasn't feeling it as much. The hour has come to choose second what you'll spread. What are you going to spread? I said, what are you going to do with your time? What are you going to spread? Verse 24, truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus is speaking, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus is speaking about himself, his own life. He's saying, it's better that I die, because from this death will come much fruit. It will spring up into a tree that bears more and more fruit. And so we have to decide and determine, choose what we're going to spread. Jesus knew it was better for him to go. Why? Because the disciples had a problem that we have a problem with. The disciples just wanted to be with Jesus. But they weren't quite ready to live like Jesus. And so I see in the church, there's a lot of people that love spending time with Jesus. But then when it comes to living like Jesus, they're not about that or the opposite some of you are out there just trying to do 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 work 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 i gotta live like jesus but you don't take the time to be like jesus how could you ever reflect jesus And so we need to have both and church that we long to be in the presence of Jesus, which some of you are saying, but he died. Yeah, but now he said, it's better that I'm going because there's one that is coming to dwell within you who will give you power. His name is the Holy Spirit. He dwells inside of each and every one of you and you can talk to God every day and you can pray to God and you can worship on your own, in your car, at your house, wherever you're going, at your job even. And you connect with the living God And then he makes you more like him to spread the heart of him. It's a seed. You see, being with Jesus is meant to prepare us to live like Jesus. This is the seed that God wants to give all of you to plant, that we would begin to plant seeds in the lives of the people that we have influence over, that our life becomes one of seed planting of seed dropping that we go and we plant seeds and drop seeds of love and encouragement and joy and peace and hope and and the person of Jesus goes with us wherever we go. So the hour has come to choose. What are you going to spread? Unfortunately, a lot of us are spreading gossip. A lot of us are spreading our love for the things of this world. A lot of us are spreading disunity. We're spreading anger. We're spreading our political perspectives. But are we spreading the love of Jesus? A life well lived, I believe, is a life that spreads. But what I love about it is it's not about the fruit. Because how many you know the fruit takes care of itself? Your job is to just plant seeds. This should take some pressure off you. Because some of you are like, so I got to lead everybody to Jesus. No, you just got to plant seeds. You just got to tell people about them. You just got to love them the way Jesus loves them. You just got to be patient and turn the other cheek and, and act and live the way Jesus has called you to act and live. And you're planting seeds that will eventually bear fruit. But God helps the fruit grow. You just plant seeds. So will you choose to spread? Spread seeds, the good seeds, the seeds of this life that God has called us to spread. The hour has come to choose third what you'll love. Everybody say love. Verse 25, whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Leave it up. This is one of the most scathing texts some of the most scathing words of Jesus. In fact, when I read it and I was preparing for this Sunday, today, I was like, surely this word hate is probably like transliterated wrong. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna find the real definition of this word, this Hebrew word or Greek word. I'm gonna figure it out and then I'll bring it to the people and it'll be more encouraging. And I looked it up over and over. You know what it meant? Hate. And I was like, what is Jesus trying to say here? I gotta hate life. What do you mean? I've even hashtag love life. I've hashtag I love life. I've hashtag loving life. I got all the hashtags about life because I do enjoy this life. And then I began to dig in and think and pray and study. You see, Jesus doesn't want us to hate ourselves. He doesn't want us to hate what he's given us. What he's saying is, do you love me more than you love the things of this life? Do you love me more than you love the things of this world? What he's saying is, are you willing to give up the things of this world for the things of God? Are you willing to give up good things for God things? Because a lot of these things are not bad things. They're good things. But the good things we become very attached to, we begin to love. And before we know it, when God asks us to give them up, we cannot. We cannot let go. Because we've fallen in love with the things of this world. I can illustrate this by my wife and I. We actually, uh, when we got married, we live in Massachusetts. You didn't know. Um, But you know, I used to be in Baston. And pack the car and Havid Yad and all that good stuff. But, but no, we lived in Massachusetts and uh, lived there for five years. And then we felt God calling us back to Sacramento. I grew up here in Sacramento, calling us back to Sacramento to plant a church. And so 12 years ago, we moved back. And uh, we decided to drive back. I think we we're 28 years old, 29 years old when we left. And we were like, hey, let's do something fun. We're going to just road trip it in our Nissan Pathfinder. And we're gonna just stop at people's houses the whole way. We won't pay for one hotel. We'll just call people up, text people, and stop along the journey and just stay wherever we can. And so we did that. We took about three weeks and we stopped at people's houses. We stayed on floors, on couches, on cots. We slept in our car one night. I mean, we had no problem sleeping anywhere. And it's funny because now you know, we're 41 She doesn't look it, but I do, but we're 41. And we would never do that again. Like, I am not trying to stay on somebody's couch. Me and Chrissy are both way too bougie. She's definitely too bougie, church. Four-star hotels only, okay? And so it's funny, though, thinking back, like back then when I was young, I didn't care about what car I drove. I didn't care about the clothes I wore. I didn't care about sleeping anywhere I could. I was just enjoying what I had. But now, thinking about this text, if God asked me to lay some things down, could I? Would I? Because back then, I didn't care about money, possessions, things. But now, I got a house. I got a 401K. I got retirement. I got more in my bank account. I got more possessions. I got more stuff. Can I tell you now, if God asked me to lay it all down, it'd be a lot harder. Back then, when I was young, fancy, free, like, no problem. God, you want me to give it up, move to Africa? I'm down. Let's do it. Now, what do you mean, God, give it up? Lay it down? You don't know how hard I've worked for this. You don't know how much I've I've grinded for this. Look at what I've built. Look at what I've done. And this text is really Jesus saying, it's okay, those are good things. But do you love them more than you love me? Would you give them up if I asked you to give them up? Like, I love a lot of things, church. I love In-N-Out. I love the Sacramento Kings. I love Harry Potter, don't judge me. I love Michael B. Jordan. Creed 3 was fire, church, come on. Some of you are like, Michael Jordan? No, Michael B. Jordan. Been loving him since Friday Night Lights. Y'all don't even know, I go way back. This was so random. I didn't say this in any of the other services. It's 1130. Who knows what's going to happen? I started preaching at 7 a.m. this morning, church, okay? Don't judge me. But I love love a lot of things. Like, as life has gone on, we just start to love things. Star Wars? Love me some Star Wars. And then I start thinking about, what if God said give that up. Lay it down. Stop watching King's games. I want you to sell all you own. Give it to me. Could I? Would I? See, the hour has come to choose what you'll love. Do you love him more than you love the things of this world. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Because if you love this life, you're going to lose it. Because you can't take anything with you. Moth and rust will destroy everything you own. But whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. He's saying, do you love me more than you love the things of this world? Because if you do, you don't just get the things of this life, you get eternal life. The hour has come to choose who you'll serve. Everybody say serve. Serve. Verse 26. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. You see, Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to offer his life as a ransom for many. He became the propitiation for our sins, the Bible says. Fancy word, spiritual word, theological word, meaning the replacement. He took the place of us and took our sin. You see, Jesus was the ultimate servant. He was God who became man. Watch this, Philippians 2, 5, 3, one of my favorite texts. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he, being Jesus, was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. see, we can become numb to the cross. We become numb to the cross. I wear it as decoration and it's no longer a declaration in my life. We can become numb to the cross of Jesus Christ, but I just got to take you back there. The cross that Jesus was nailed to You see, first he was beaten and bloodied. It says his beard was ripped from his face. He was whipped with a cat of nine tails, meaning the skin of his back would have been peeled off. It says that he was beaten beyond recognition, and then a crown of thorns was shoved onto his head. And then they took him and they nailed his wrists and his feet to a cross, and they lifted him up, where he would have to lift himself up for every breath. He suffered a brutal agonizing death and in this the people begin to mock him he's on the cross and the people begin to mock him and they say didn't you raise Lazarus from the dead didn't you raise the widow's son from the dead didn't you heal the lepers and open the blind eyes and make the lame walk do one more miracle and take yourself down from that cross King of the Jews aren't you the Messiah and they begin to mock him, and shame him, and laugh at him. And he took it. Why? Because he was a servant. You see, he never asked us to do something that he didn't already do. In fact, he did more than we will ever have to endure most likely in our lives. So when I say the hours come to choose who you'll serve, we can acknowledge and recognize that our Savior is not asking us to do something he hasn't already done. He served to the point of death, even death on a cross, Philippians says. He served by humbling himself and becoming a man, a baby first, that became a man and died an agonizing death to take your place in my place. And so it's funny, I I think that in the church, you hear people and we're like, yeah, I choose Jesus. I'll serve Jesus. But our money says otherwise. Yeah, I choose Jesus. I'll serve Jesus, but our time says otherwise. Yeah, I choose Jesus, I'll serve Jesus, but your church attendance says otherwise. Yeah, I'll choose Jesus, I'll follow Jesus, but your time in prayer, talking to him says otherwise. Yeah, I'll choose Jesus, I'll serve Jesus, but your purity says otherwise. Caleb, don't do it to him on Easter. I came to challenge you that you would choose who you serve. You see, you cannot serve God in money, Jesus said. You cannot serve God in the things of this world. You cannot love him and love life more than him. Today, choose who you'll serve. You see, Joshua actually, in in the book of Joshua, has this amazing moment where he is talking to the Hebrews, the Israelites, and he's taken over from Moses and they're struggling with idolatry, right? They got caught up in the idolatry and the idol worship and the God worship of the Egyptians. And they're still stuck in Egypt, even though they're now rescued. And he speaks to them and he says, choose this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's what you have to determine and decide today is who are you gonna serve? the things of this world, the possessions, what people say about you, your your, your fear of man, or are you going to serve the God who spoke you into being, who gave you every gift, talent, ability that you have, who placed you on this earth at a time such as this because he had a plan and a purpose for you, which is the final thing. The hour has come to choose where your purpose is. You see, I think a lot of us are trying to find purpose in so many earthly things. And I'm not saying there can't be aspects of your purpose connected to what happens in the natural on the earth. I mean, I see it. But this is really the number one question I get from people is how do I know my purpose? How do I determine my purpose? And I have to tell you, it's really simple. You see, your purpose, every one of us, is worship placed on this earth to worship. I'm not talking about three songs on a Sunday morning with fog and lights going, although that was fun. That's a this much of worship. I'm talking about your every breath, your every step, your every action, your words, your deeds, where you go, what you do, your time, your talent. Everything you are is worship to God. And so today, You have to choose where you're gonna place your purpose. Jesus chose to obey the Father and allow his purpose to be in his death. Here's what he says. See, I love Jesus, but I really love sarcastic Jesus because I'm sarcastic. We got any sarcastic people in the house? Come on, Here's, here's sarcastic Jesus in verse 27. He says, now is my soul troubled? And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose, I have come to the hour. Saying, what am I gonna do? Be troubled in my heart when that's why I'm here? What am I going to do? Say, take this from me. This is the purpose and why I've come to this hour. I was placed and called for a time such as this. And I want to tell you, church, you have been placed on the earth, this earth. God chose you. He foreordained for you to be here for a time such as this. Yes. He has a purpose for you. He has a plan for you. A couple years ago, took my boys golfing we went to Mather Golf Course and we got partnered with a single he was about 65 year old man and he began to talk to me he was really kind to my boys his name was Cliff and near the end he asked me what I did which is always like a, oh here we go because it can be awkward church yes I'm a man of God I'm a pastor I say it just like that too no, I said, yeah, I'm a pastor, a pastor of church in downtown. And he said, oh man, I've been, I've been really actually having a lot of spiritual questions. I've been crying out to God, talking to God. I, I just don't really know like if he's real or he's talking to me like this. And I'm like, oh, that's, you know, cool. And so we had a conversation about it and he was like, man, it was great to meet you. And he followed me on Instagram. And uh, a couple of weeks go by, hadn't heard from him. And I go to In-N-Out because my wife was out of town and I don't cook, so when she's gone, we go to In-N-Out, right? Or Chick-fil-A, Ken's like, yep. And so we're In-N-Out, and as I'm sitting there with my kids, I'm outside at one of the tables, here comes Cliff walking up with tears running down his face. He says, Caleb, you don't understand. I just found out my wife has cancer. And I was driving around, crying out to God, saying, I need you to, to speak to me. I need to know you're real. And I heard his voice tell me to go to In-N-Out. And he said, I told him, God, I already ate lunch. And God said, go get a chocolate shake. So he pulled up, and he's walking into In-N-Out, and he sees me. He comes to me, and said, Caleb, you got to pray for me. God's speaking to me. He's calling out to me. And so... My kids are pastor's kids, so I said, come on, you're ready in season and out of season. And they laid their hands on Cliff, and we prayed. Prayed for his wife, Pray for him. And uh, he said, when's church? I told him that Sunday he showed up. He sat on the front row. Front row speech, you got people, you guys are really spiritual. He sat on the front row. At the end of the message, I gave an opportunity to respond to Jesus give your life to Jesus and he raised his hand prayed the sinner's prayer and invited Jesus to be the Lord of his life and then he began to come somewhat infrequently but he came for months and I'd see him and he'd always give me the biggest hug and he's like God's speaking to me He'd tell me like God's speaking to me God's on me and then one day he just disappeared And for a few months, I didn't hear from him. I even messaged him a few times on Instagram and didn't hear from him. And then I I remembered I was friends with him on Facebook. I don't go to Facebook, but I jumped on Facebook and I go. And I see on his Facebook, one of his family members had posted his obituary and described how he was on a hike, had a heart attack and died on the trail. Just a few months later, So some would call that untimely. But I know that God's timing was perfect because he led him to that golf course and me to that golf course and me to In-N-Out and him to that In-N-Out and then brought him to this church to give his life to Jesus months before he would go to see Jesus and meet Jesus. The hour has come to choose. You see, some of you have disqualified yourselves Maybe because of what you've done, how you've lived, what your past is, your sin. But I think about the cross, and I think about Jesus nailed to that cross, and there's a thief next to him, a thief that deserved to be there. He had murdered, he had killed, he had robbed, he had done everything opposed to God, and on that cross, he looks at Jesus, and he says to him, he says, will you remember me? Will you remember me? without hesitation looks at him and says today truly today you will be with me in paradise you see it doesn't matter your past your sin your mistakes how far gone you feel like you are Jesus still has a plan and a purpose for your life all you gotta do is surrender wholeheartedly fully to him in the middle of your mess he meets you and he loves you and he brought many of you here today because he's already chosen you he's just waiting for you to choose him so with heads bowed, eyes closed across this room, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. If that's you, you don't know Jesus, you've you've been running from God. You maybe never surrendered your heart to him. You never invited the savior of the world to take your sin and forgive you and make you new. Or maybe you knew him at one time, but you know you've been living a life opposed to God, far from God, running from God. Today, I want you to lift your hand in this place. If that's you, go, come on, put it up. If that's you right now, yes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That when one name is added to the book of life, the angels in heaven rejoice. And so we're rejoicing today in this place that God has set people free. Let's pray this in here. Everyone repeat after me, say Jesus. Today, I confess my sin and my need for a savior. The hour has come and I choose you. Thank you for choosing me, for loving me enough to bring me here today. I thank you for your kindness, and I repent of my ways. Come into my life, make me new. I need your strength to follow you every day in your name. Amen, amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise for these that raise their hands today.